Hey everybody, welcome to the Indie Film Review. I am Jared, and with me as always is Dan. Hey Dan. It's me. Hey, it's me. It is you. And you know what? what? I think today's going to be another excellent day. You beat me to it. I don't know why, but I was going to say the same thing. It's just it has been another excellent day. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. After we were complaining about our jobs off mic, it's it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just bitched them on about how much we didn't like our jobs for like an hour. And like, all right, let's do the podcast now. Listen, this is a show where we review independent films. We take in submissions from basically anybody. You get put on a list. Five to six months later, we finally get to it. How does it feel to be a statistic? And we review no budget, low budgets. Any type of indie you throw at us, we're going to check it out. Snow budgets. And today, snow budgets, yes. Summer budgets also. Uh, we reviewed a film called Another Excellent Day. And what a what a sweet little film this was, Dan. Yes. Could you tell us about it? So this film is about a struggling writer who wants to get his film made. And he knows this guy named Mickey. And Mickey's like... I'm going to be your producer and I know exactly how to, uh, I know exactly how to, to fund your film. Let's do crime and get money. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the gist of this film. It, it gets really fucking wild. Crazy shit happens. What's interesting is that like, you can really just explain this movie pretty simply and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But then when you watch the film, you're like, what the fuck okay. is going on? So I want to talk about that because <laughs> I kind of felt the same way about the other film that we watched recently. Proletariat Pigs. Ah, the three little proletariat pigs. Yes. You know how like it, it took a while to warm up into what that was? Yeah. I felt the same way about this movie. Like, I'm, I'm like, where the fuck is this film going? The film kind of throws you into this world of this guy this director and you don't quite this understand guy. the premise of what's happening until the premise finally kicks in around like i don't know 25 30 minutes into the movie and then once you do you're like whoa holy well, here's shit the, thing. <laughs> the film it has like a series of scenes introducing these characters yeah it's wild it, it just seems it jumps all around and the flow of the film actually i think works really well with this strange choppiness of it okay and then at the 30 minute mark we get the classic like oh okay this is what the film is about yeah we have these guys they want to make this movie they're all misfits and they're going to do crimes to to make it happen whatever they can do they're going to make this film happen but then at the 40 minute mark the film was like no 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 this is yeah. what's going on <laughs> and it, it has like a second start yeah it's fucking wild i don't even i guess we'll have to talk about one it one of my notes is this movie is fucking wild and i'm 40 minutes in so both of us caught the 40 minute mark dude like, that 40 minute wave you know david lynch award territory Th this film is up for me for like cinematography what's up yes oh my yes. god okay so i have oh, it down for best cinematography i have it down for the david lynch award and i think one more oh the acting in this i think oh, the, the acting, acting is, is very very fantastic. good fantastic the issue is, I don't think this is going to be everyone's cup of tea. No. And I think that's the thing we really need no. to dive into. Yeah. <laughs> but so. but before we do that, we'll do questions. So, Dan, go ahead. Jared, we're talking about cinematography. How did you feel about the close-ups in this film? Because that is, that is this film's bread and butter to me. I loved it. I yeah. loved, I loved the intensity 
that this film is bringing to oh, yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And how unrelenting it is. There are breathers. Yes, there's a lot of wide shots. There are, there are a lot of scenes where the, the movie is, is giving you space, for sure. Um, I think this film is very well-made and well-constructed. Those close-ups are, are just, they work really, really well yeah. for me. And the composition of all the scenes, I, mm-hmm. it's like film porno to me. Watching this, even if you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on in this film, it, it almost doesn't matter t- for me. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm having so much fun seeing the set design and how everything looks. And you're just like, oh, this movie is really nice. In terms of David Lynch Award, like I'm definitely gonna say that that's a big contender too because it it does it feels <laughs> like because if you remember Mulholland Drive didn't feel like anything until it started to feel like something you know like it was yeah. it was kind of like all floaty and atmospheric but like this film begins on this this fantasy sequence so Jared tell me how your like your thoughts like how how did you feel about this fantasy sequence on the pier. The scene you're talking about, I, we can get into it. It's not really a spoiler. It's like yeah, the no. first fucking thing you see. It is a reoccurring dream that the main character has where the camera is slowly zooming down this pier and there's a woman at the pier and then she slowly turns around and then he goes to embrace her and every time he's about to, he gets grabbed or something crazy happens. Now, here's the thing. Rule of threes, right? This film is like, I don't give a shit about that. It's rule of fours. <laughs> It's rule of fours for some reason, because they show this four times and only on the fourth time they show it is when something different happens. I will say, I think they filmed that dream sequence a couple times because it feels like it changes slightly. Yeah, it does. When you see it. I think so. I liked it. Here's my question to you. Was this film funny to you or and was it supposed to be? Oh, yes. I think it was supposed to be funny. It wasn't a straight up comedy. Mm -hmm. It was absurd. And there were some quips that made me laugh out loud, but like it's definitely, it definitely has like the the vibe of a comedy, right? But it, yeah. it just it's it's so marred, like the comedy is so marred by how crazy absurd it is. It, it gets it's not silly absurd. It's like oh my god, what the hell is happening? Yes, absurd? like they're doing comedy beats, but everything is disturbing to me. Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I I didn't really laugh during this film. But I was still really enjoying how, how you, fucking okay. strange two, this movie two was. Two things that I laughed at. <laughs> like, we need to get some money. It's like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, I, I know exactly what to do. He's like, like what? Work? He's like, no. <laughs> or there's, a, there's another scene where his boss is like, hey, uh, on your way out, can you tell uh, Karen to get me some coffee? Oh, and yeah. he walks out of the office and he calls Karen. Really like, Karen, did he tell you about the coffee? He's like, no, he didn't. He'd be like, God. Damn it. He's that like, son funny. of a bitch. The other thing that made me laugh a lot, but also maybe the laughter was misplaced. We'll, we'll get into it whenever we get into it. It's the first thing I want to talk about whenever we get into spoilers. It's when that lady gets sexually assaulted. You thought that was hilarious. Oh, God. Jesus Christ, man. You just laughed and laughed? Yeah. I, I just watched Hush. I just turned this movie off watch Hush. No, go ahead. What were you going to No, I'm just saying. Oh, no, like, you didn't want to bring it up until spoilers? Yeah, until spoilers. I mean, I feel like I've... Covered most of what I want. Here's the thing. Dan, do you think a normal human person is going to be able to, like, follow along with what's going on in this film and have it keep their attention? If I was... Okay, if I had... Like, Joe Everyman's like, I'm gonna sit here and watch the film. If I had trouble in the first 20 minutes of the film, no. Like... 
Okay. That's, I think that's a good, because I have the patience of a saint, right? And this film, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck? And then it finally happens. And then whenever it does happen, is this a ride that you want to take? You know? Because I can see like, and this is an older film, by the way, I believe it came out in 2016. Ooh. And um, I don't, I'm not sure who exactly sent, oh no, I'm sorry, 2014. It's a little older. Uh, it is directed by uh, Gilles Gambino, and he also wrote it and co-wrote it with uh, Alessandro DiRenzo and uh, Perry uh, Juarez. Please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing your names. I, again, I'm sorry. I'm not sure who sent this to us. But if this film was in a theater and people were coming and sitting, I, it would be decisive. I, I can see people getting see up and be like, all right. Oh, yeah, this is the way to see this film is in yeah. a theater. I'm kind of sad I didn't get to. Okay, what did you think about the fake infomercial in this film? I had just as much love for it as I had for the constant interjection of the the title of the film along with the, the theme song. <laughs> um, so the guys, oh, I love that theme song! The guys, Apocalyptic? Yeah, the guy's film is called Apocalyptic. 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 <laughs> and it's like this fucking... Like, you know, 80s um, Southern Rock (laughs) song. So the weird infomercial guy, he says his name is Bob Universe. Yeah. I think it would have been fun if he just showed up in scenes and just started talking. Yeah, that would have been cool. Like he just walks into scenes. (laughs) Just starts talking. But like no one else acknowledges that he's there. They do some weird stuff in this movie. All right, we're going to get into it. I don't give a shit. That would have earned it the double David Lynch award. Oh, oh, double, double D, double, <laughs> double David. Uh, we're going to spoil this film. It's on Tubi. If you want to see a really weird movie with friends, uh, I, I recommend it. Go see this film. It's very strange. Okay. Um, it, it like meanders at times. It goes to weird, like, it's like we're on the plot and it's like, let's get off the plot and, and do some like Hindi, uh, breathing exercises for a bit. I love that scene. Yes. Yes. It, this is more of an experience film than uh, your standard plot, follow along uh, type of filmy, filmy. Dan, go ahead. I've been talking too much. They decide that they need $300,000 to make this film. So, okay. First of all, Mickey, what, what is the main character's name? It's Richie, Richie. is Richie. The, uh, the guy who wants to write this film. The writer. Yeah. Okay. So Richie has this friend named Mickey. I don't know how he has this friend. Um, he also has this wife that he doesn't appreciate and she doesn't appreciate him. It's like kind of a reciprocal, toxic relationship. Anyway. The, I, so I didn't really like her character too much because she was a little over the top. Yeah. It just felt like the writing for her was a little much. I guess that was part of the comedy. I, yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of the comedy. It's it's more part of the the life that this guy is trying to rail so hard against it's like ah, yes, i got this yeah. wife that doesn't appreciate me and i'm like a washed up writer and i never got my big break like that's his attitude anyway he knows this guy named mickey and at first i thought mickey was not real because mickey oh. is insane um mickey wakes up every day and plays russian roulette 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 mickey <laughs> wakes up every day and plays russian roulette and wins and he takes in a deep breath and he says, today is another excellent day. And I'm like, oh, so the title of the film. And that scene was so amazing. I was actually a little annoyed that they did it again. I'm like, why Why mm. do it again? What if this film just took place within an within entire day. day? Yeah, that, that yeah. would have been interesting. That probably would have made more sense. Anyway, 
So Mickey has this idea that, hey, we need $300,000 and I know exactly how to get it. I'm going to go to this guy I know, this mafia boss. And this mafia boss, it's a Russian clown. Like he's a Russian He's a Russian mafia boss, but he... Subtitles incoming alert. Please activate your subtitles to oh, understand God. what this fucking clown Dude. is saying. He's wearing clown makeup. And I'm like, what is... What? And then he listens to their plight. And then he's like, how much do you need? And he, They're like $300,000. And he laughs in their face. And I'm like, yes. Yes. He's like, do I look like I'm running a charity? He's like, am I in a nun outfit? <laughs> this is a man in full clown makeup. So his overacting is fantastic. Like it, Superb, it fits yes. perfectly. Yeah. There are so many good actors. In, I would say like just overall, the acting is so, so good in this. It's yeah. so fun. Ensemble it's like cast, silly great and ensemble zany. cast. Yeah. Because you have yeah, Richie, you have yeah. Mickey. Who is um, Mickey's old flame? I guess like, I, I don't know. It's like, she's a very in your face lesbian. Uh, Melinda. Melinda. And, and you can tell that there's like probably a history there between them. Yeah. 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 How it feels like to me is that they're good friends and he's just always like flirting with her or like trying to get her to be like, Hey, come on. And she's like, you know, I'm a lesbian. (laughs) So stop that. But she's she's a bit of a womanizer herself, so I can see how I I loved her. Her and Mickey are both good friends because they both are like horny fucking school kids. Yeah. And when they see a woman, they're like, look at those boobies. Like, like they get really cartoony <laughs> and dumb. There's a scene with Melinda and there was a, a girl. Oh my god, this movie. There was a girl that Mickey kidnaps. <laughs> yes. They they're trying to get a ransom to pay for this fucking movie. Oh yes, my God. and then they're like, okay, listen, my husband's not going to pay for the ransom, but we can break into his safe and steal all his money. So they go in there, they break into the safe, there's no cash, and there's they even do a scene where a camera's filming them, and you're like, oh, they're getting caught on camera, this should come into play later in the film. Nope, doesn't matter. None of that matters at all, hey, man, it never comes back. It's not Chekhov's security camera, we don't need to use I it. I guess not, I guess not. So then the two boys get mad, they leave. And it, it's just the hostage and and uh, Melinda. Melinda. She's like, hey, I just remembered you have like big old titties. And she's like, you're right. So she picks her up and puts her on the desk and they have sex. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then after they have sex, she's like, hey, I'm going to search the search around again. She finds this folder with like a bunch of pictures, like blackmail pictures. Yeah. We don't even know who they're blackmailing. Yeah. <laughs> and then they bring it to the Russian mob clown and he's like, listen, I'll hold on to this blackmail for you as collateral. And we're like, who is this guy? We're even blackmailing. I don't even understand. And he's like, I'll loan you guys 10 grand. And it's, it, there's so many plots that just don't go anywhere. Don't make any sense. <laughs> and, I, and for all of that, I'm still having fun. With exactly. This like, that's, that's what I was going to say. So stupid. This film is crazy. Uh, oh crazy. my God. Like, what is going on? (laughs) Uh, Is there a scene you want to talk about? I do want to say this. If I knew the synopsis prior to going into the film, because I I wanted this Mm -hmm. film completely blind. This is one of those films that probably would have been more helpful to know what the plot was going into it. You don't think so? If you read what the plot is, it sounds pretty standard. It sounds like, oh, okay. Because we've even gotten to, like, the kicker, the kicker in your head. Kind of like, hey, fuck you. I'll just say it now. There's tulpas in this movie. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are imaginary figures that come to life that's, from that's where, two characters' minds. That's where they I was make going them at. out of thin air. So Richie, Richie's the one that brings up the the woman from his dreams. Like she just Layla. She she comes into his room naked. And he, he's like, what? The woman from the pier. Yeah. The one he dreams about constantly appears naked in his wardrobe. And then his wife, like, catches him and moves out, I guess. Is, is that what happened, right? Because they don't show it. First they cut to, he meets her again, and they're, they're driving in a cab, and they're talking. And then it cuts back to, he's at his house, and they've just had sex. And she says this amazing line, I love when you come inside me because I can feel your heart in my vagina. And then they have a nice little talk about him being like, listen, I don't want to be with you if you don't follow your dreams. Like, basically, I am your dreams. I am your aspiration. And if you don't want to pursue that, then you can't be with me. She's like a physical manifestation of. Yeah. I'll take that again. He's like a physical. Words. Fuck me in the mouth. (laughs) He's like a physical manifestation. (laughs) We might need to keep that in. Yeah. Yeah. of this character's hopes and dreams and he gets his hopes and dreams pregnant dan what does that say what does that imply i don't know is he birthing them into reality he's birthing the the seed of of himself and his dreams into one nasty nasty anyway mickey has a tulpa because why not sure and his name is demon is it damon or demon D-A-E-M-O-N. So Damon Demon, I think it's the same. Demon, yeah. yeah. He's literally named Demon. And Demon becomes a smarmy, slimy Hollywood producer for this film. I am in love with him. (laughs) I want him to bully me around and and be mean to me and tell me to shut up because I'm into it. This guy is definitely best actor list for me for the year already. He's down on my list. Uh, He was... Portrayed by David Chevers. Wow. Excellent. Excellent fucking stuff. The, okay. <laughs> there, there's a scene where he he finds the other Tulpa and goes to her. He's like, hey, listen, we could have a lot of fun together. Why don't we hang out? And he basically like tricks her into becoming enslaved by him. Yeah, like a prostitute. And I thought it was through this necklace that he put on her. But then the necklace never gets taken off. So I was like a little confused by that. But he like seduces her to like his weird whim of what does Damon represent? And what does Layla represent? So it's like Layla is hopes and dreams, like your idea, the purity of your art. And then Damon is like the evil producer who's like, oh, I'm going to come and take your idea. The money of it. Yeah. Yeah. And turn it into something that I can market. Right. It's I'm the fucking capitalist machine. That the three little proletariat pigs are running away from, right? So it's like, this is so, it's like actually physical representations of this happening. It's super fucking bizarre. All that to say, they have a scene where she keeps saying a word and he'll say the opposite of the word back and like, they're kind of like rubbing and touching each other. Hope. And he's like, control. (laughs) I was like, this is so good. So, I mean, like 
that's probably why I like this film so much is that that commentary because this film is about filmmaking, like from the get go. I yep. love films that are about filmmaking. Just the meta mm-hmm. aspect of it is amazing to me. Um, or it, it, we call it self-reflexivity in film school. Oh, um, the self-reflexivity of our city. <laughs> anyway. Okay, go ahead. It's definitely that dichotomy between what is art and what is marketable, what is what is money-making. And yeah. um, they even have that moment where Richie's like, yes, I'll do it, but I want complete artistic control. And immediately he's like, no, don't, you don't get that. Yeah. And he threatens him. He's like, listen, sign this fucking document or I'm going to kill Panda, which we haven't mentioned, by the way, is is a random man whose real name is Jose, but they call him Panda uh, in the in the title. There's title cards in this movie that are really fun. I love them. I forgot about Panda. Richie will randomly be with Panda and he'll just be telling him stuff about his life. It's almost like his inner monologue. I don't even know if Panda is a real, but... Panda never speaks. Never He's speaks. just there to receive his thoughts. He must represent something. Like, what do you think Panda is in this film? Panda is the objective listener. You think so? He, he's just he's he's there for you to to spitball with, basically. Like, like the the vacant the vacant board of of ideas and just. I, I don't like maybe not ideas, but the vacant board of um, yeah, just the baseboard of bitching, you know, like I'm, I'm I need to talk to somebody. I need a vent. Yeah, it's like him sorting out his feelings, and he's like kind of just there to listen. He's like his weird therapist. Well, and then like think about think about uh, uh, Mickey. Mickey is what Mickey is impulsion. Yeah, Mickey is like I'm gonna fly by the seat of my pants mm-hmm. and hope for the best. The way these two meet. And Melinda is the horniness. Yeah, right? It, it does kind of feel like these are all weird aspects of him, of just yeah. one character. So we have that dream sequence. And then we immediately cut to, this is in the very beginning of the film. He wakes up and goes, oh, there's a lot of waking up in this film, which I'm usually not a big fan of, of like dream sequence. Oh, I wake up. It's like waking up. It's like part of it. It works in this. But again, I'm not a huge fan of that type of thing. He wakes up, his wife yells at him. And then we cut to, he's like at, on a bridge, just looking out over the bridge. And then that's when Mickey approaches him. And he's like, Hey man, you gonna, you here to fucking kill yourself, man. He's like, no, he's like, are you calling me a liar? <laughs> and like this weird exchange, I felt like was loose. I'm like, what is this? Why is this happening? But then in retrospect, once you understand the rest of the film and going back and thinking on like, this is like a part of him and his idea of like, I feel yeah. like a, a failure and I'm trapped. And maybe he really was considering that. And this guy is like an outlet for him to get out all his frustration and his, his anxiety. I was like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. But like so, you said, early on, it doesn't, it takes a bit for you to yeah. get into what the so film what is. what you're saying is this film would benefit from a second watch. I honestly think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. What I realized is there are no transition scenes in this movie. It's not interested in establishing. No, not transition establishing shots there are no establishing shots in this movie and cutting from scene to scene it's just like we're at this other scene don't worry about like you're gonna figure it out with context clues how did you feel about that with how the film is that didn't bother me because well i mean maybe it did bother me maybe that's what i was so disoriented with in the beginning i just didn't quite get it but like i know there's like filmmakers who are just 
celebrated and like their whole film oeuvre, their whole auteur shenanigans they do is like it's filled with like just bad habits of filmmaking. It's like that is just how I make films. It's not like it bothered me in terms of I need the establishing shot. The only thing I needed to establish was like what the fuck is going on in this film at first because like like we've been saying this uh, probably the third time, but it took me a while to understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. And once I, did, I think what it is. I'm, I'm just, sorry. Go I'm ahead. Just saying, once I did, I like it. It was awesome, and I understood the style. It's almost like your brain is. It has all these gears on how a film should be, even if you're not even aware of it, and they're and, turning and turning. And maybe that was the point. Maybe yeah. that was the point. And it fucks with those gears. It's like, no, this film isn't going to be that way. And then once you start to get used to that, I started. I was like, all right, I'm in. I get it. It just took me a little bit to click into the vibe that this film was going for. And I mean, there's a lot of things where I'm like, Oh, I think the film should look like this way. Or I think, you know, this should be a thing. And usually when I'm saying that it's because I think, I think the film is making a mistake and to improve the film, I think they could do it this way. You know, like, well, if you did it this way, it might be better. But with this, I think they're intentionally doing it like breaking the rule because, you know, rules can be broken, right? They're meant to be broken. And like you just said, how there's great filmmakers who just like disregard like yeah. basic shit because they're like, I don't want to make the film that way. But if the film is still entertaining and you're enjoying it, then there you go. Exactly. Boom. And like, how often does that happen? Where it's like, you know, people are breaking rules for the sake of breaking rules and also just have this fucking wildfire of a film that mm-hmm. just like, if, if the right people are in it, man, they're burning and loving it. <laughs> I think this film really benefited from having a great cast. Yes. This cast was really yes. good. Uh, what a fucking weird movie. Weird. weird. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. <laughs> Especially after the first 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, is this going to be the whole film? And then by like, once we hit that 40 minute mark, like I said, when we found out there's weird tulpas, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's fucking rules. I'm like, this is so strange. Ah, what a fucking psycho movie. All right, Dan. Yeah. I think we did it. Guys, you can find us on Instagram at Indie Film Review Pod. You can email us at theindiefilmreview at gmail.com. Send us your films. Send us your films. Um, I feel like I talked a lot already. <laughs> I feel like I talked too much during this episode. I apologize. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, go rate us five stars on Apple or whatever. Uh, if you can, if you want to, I'd appreciate that. Tell your friends, tell your family about our show, the Indie Film Review Podcast. And uh, yeah, Dan, final word. If you don't rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to take this koala and I'm going <gasps> to club it. I'm going to club it with my fists. <laughs> I'm going to have a good old backyard boxing brawl with this koala. I'll give him a fair shot. Listen, the koala is actually a man in a koala suit that Dan talks to. Okay, it's not. It's no, not it's, an actual it's koala. the it's the executive koala from that one shitty horror movie that we watched that one time. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, what's it called? You have to say it real quick. I think it's called Executive Koala, and like the, he's he's a guy in a koala mask and he has an axe and he murders people. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs>